brothers and dear sister. Oh, God. It's been far too long. Wait, Doctor? Is that you? A name from long ago. Sounds better than Deep Throat. Dude, I thought we changed the keys. <laughs> Wait, what? No. Oh, I thought we threw right. away the cards. Yeah, the key cards. Oh, are we? No, yeah, we're not. We're, I'm not. I'm done. My revoking days are over. I don't. I got the locks changed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... You left us, man. You left us in the dark, in the rain, in the cold. If you wanted to do an, an episode on um, on why I left, I, I don't know if people got an adequate explanation because I honestly didn't even know. I was just like, dude, I got to leave the country. This is, um, I was getting anxiety attacks. It was, you know, I was waking up in cold sweats. And what made it worse was that, like, all of this was being caused by a video game. And I was just like, dude, you need to seriously chug a chill potion. And, um, so, yeah, I love you guys out in the cold, and I'm sorry for that. But, um, uh, I'm going to make it up to you guys. I got, I got big stuff planned. Ah, man, welcome back. Woo! We know, uh, sometimes life comes at you fast. Like running, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. <laughs> He's alright. Do you hear they're remaking that? Metal Gear 2? No, oh. no, The Running Man. Oh. oh, The Running Man. Oh my god, there's yeah. gonna be some vlog now that's gonna be like, <laughs> Metal Gear podcast, hence a Metal Gear 2 remake? I don't want to be like, fuck. <sighs> this is how you drive someone to homicide. Hey. No, they're remaking The Running Man, and Edgar Wright's going to direct it. Oh, interesting. So it's going to still have that sort of, like, uh, like swaggy, cap like capitalistic dystopian vibe with a little yeah. bit of, like, gallows humor. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I never read the book, but I know the... Arnold movie isn't anywhere close to it. Oh no, absolutely not. It's um it's a lot more upbeat than <laughs> especially the ending. It's a lot more upbeat than the um the book. So That's the one so, that's like Smash TV where it's like a death game show, right? Right, yeah. right. I I need to see that. It's on my list. But uh, I have not actually seen it but uh, i mean if they're gonna remake it i mean they did total recall i didn't hate that total recall remake so i i didn't hear anything good about it and i never saw it well here's the thing when i saw it i was in japan and i also saw iron man 3 when i was in japan most people say they don't like iron man 3 but at that point in my life everything was going wrong because i was in japan and so you could have shown me anything you could have shown me teletubbies on ice i'd have been like this is a masterpiece so, so yeah, I haven't watched it recently, but maybe it, it wouldn't hold up. I think I also saw the RoboCop remake in Japan, and I thought that was just like the best movie I'd seen that year. So. Oh, man, you must have been in a bad place. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Good God. I don't think I finished that. Yeah, I think I fell asleep. Uh, you're, uh, you're not missing much, but uh, yeah, I did have a good time because it was just like, dude, it could I could either be in this movie theater or I could be on a train and have everybody on the train looking at me and wondering why I'm here. And, um, yeah, I chose RoboCop. So fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that you guys have changed your format since, uh, what was it? Episode 14 since the fall. Yeah. We had a couple guests on, you know, 
You guys have been doing phenomenal work. You know, I've been keeping up with you guys and all your guests. The fact that you guys have consistently been able to get quality guests on the show week after week. It's it's the high point of my Mondays. <laughs> oh, shut up. Oh, just wait till next week. Yeah, man, we got a good one in store. Shut up, shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up, shut up. Oh, man. I'm worried now. I'm the type of person that lets something, like, grow organically. <laughs> and these guys are just, like, they're just, like, the people who say, like, oh, like, WandaVision was so good last night. And, like, <laughs> I'm the person that's, like, why the fuck did you spoil WandaVision? What, just by saying it's good? I haven't seen it. I swear to God, if any of you spoil it, I'm I haven't seen the finale right yet, but I am all the way caught up until the finale. So there, I've seen people say that you know, saying an episode is good is a spoiler. So <laughs> what? Uh... What? It's like it's like seeing a weather forecast. I liked it, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort it's of like, like I, I get the logic of like. Okay, if somebody says, "Oh, the twist was so good," because now you're like expecting a twist. Yeah. But with like, "Oh, something's good." I guess I don't know. Maybe WandaVision is like an exception. Okay, full disclosure. I I am my Disney Plus account is currently in limbo um because I was getting it from like Verizon or something like that. So I haven't had an opportunity to watch WandaVision. But from my understanding, it like I kind of wish that I did recover my Disney Plus account because apparently it's very like meta narrative. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's cool stuff going on. I saw a picture of like, it's interesting because I, I saw a picture of, I forget what it was, but it was like, it was some nasty picture of essentially like Metal Gear Solid 2 and, 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 um, Silent Hill 2 being squirted out of WandaVision. <laughs> no. <So I'm> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Here well, we go. Has we should probably drop that topic because I, I will oh my God. want to talk about it. Not everything meta is Metal Gear. I st- <laughs> Dude, Undertale is totally Metal Gear. Undertale it, it is. is... Okay. That's a game I have complicated thoughts on, but I wonder if that is peak meta in terms of games. You said the same thing about FF7 Remake. So, uh, eh, eh, you know, I've had time to kind of did I say that about FF7 Remake? Because if I did, I take it back. I distinctly remember those words leaving your mouth. Let's rewind the tape. <laughs> peak meta was like your catchphrase for for at least a week. Well, I'm wondering what peak meta is. Is there a peak? My catchphrase I, for that week was, could this be considered a scam? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? I, th- yeah, like, I think so. Or could somebody sue for be, fraud? Someone could sue for this, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you saw what they're doing with, with Final Fantasy VII now. They've straight up gone Battle Royale with it, which I never thought would be a thing. Like, that's, I, a, that's, that's not a product. That's a punchline. Mm, I... Look, I I've had a rough enough week. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to get into that. I mean, unless you guys want to, because I will. I just I mean, they have they have the Yuffie uh, DLC. So that's like that's kind of like par for the course. But yeah, then there's these other games popping up. They have like the little mobile game. Yeah. If they sell that Moogle uh, sweater cloak thing, cloak sweater poncho thing, I will buy it. And it's a what? It, that's a good word for it. 
poncho. Yeah, that poncho. Uh, I would I would buy it. I would buy the DLC. I would buy a PlayStation Five, and I would play that battle royale game. So, get to it, Square. It's such a it's such a missed opportunity if they don't do that. I just want to know who sat in a boardroom and went, you know what people really want? Yuffie DLC. Well, look, Yuffie is actually my favorite character from Seven. Um, not how she, her iteration, like her appearance in the actual. You can see how big my eyes are right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah, I can't. <laughs> uh, from Advent Children, she was great in AC, but um, in the original game, like the how annoying it is to recruit her into your party. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but she came into her own in Advent Children and and in a Dirge of Cerberus. But I would not. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't even want. Oh, you know what? So the, you know the what are the the this FF Seven cinematic universe that they're doing, where they're remaking yeah all the, all the games in that new like kind of more retro style engine. That is more the remake that I wanted. What they what they did. I wouldn't have asked for that. So, yeah. I don't know what they're doing anymore. They're trying to make money, and people are going to buy it, and they're going to complain, but they're still going to buy it. Like, there there used to be people um, that would, they would buy every single Final Fantasy game, and they would wait in line overnight in, in Japan, and then the first person in line... They would interview them like, hey, you, you, you're the first person to buy Final Fantasy 13 in Japan. How do you feel? And every time it'd be like, please remake Final Fantasy 7 for the PS3. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made a video of all those. Right. They didn't give a shit about FF13. They were just trying to, to tell Squeenix to make more FF7. So well, Square Enix I, gave a shit about FF13, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. So, yeah. I don't blame them if they want to make a battle royale because I, I there was a time in my life when I was a teenager because I first played FF7 when I was 15, which was like the, the perfect time to play that game. Like you're a teenager, you're figuring out who you are in the world. If I had played it when it first came out, I just wouldn't have got it. So after I first played it, I was like, I need I need more of this. And then Advent Children came out and then there was Crisis Core and Zach was a badass and, it you know. So back then, if I was 15, I would say, hell yeah, give me a battle royale and give me the Yuffie DLC. And yeah, I'll buy your stupid Moogle poncho. How much? Oh, I can't afford it, but I'll, I'll put it on my Amazon wish list. I don't know. The real question is like, why the fuck aren't we concentrating on Final Fantasy VI? Um, that's a great question. I, I stopped asking that question. As a game and as something to exploit. Because, like, that's got so many fucking characters. Like, that's right. something I would... <laughs> like, do that with that. It's not as easily marketable. Uh, yeah. But it has such... I don't know. I feel like it has such like, a following. That's, like, what other people say besides Seven, usually. Like, what's Yeah, but every Final Fantasy has a following. But none of them are, like, Seven. And I say this as somebody who's not even a huge fan of Seven. Like, I'm all about Eight. I mean, I get it. I get why seven is like the popular one, but then like most other people are like, yeah, but six though, like, I don't know. Yeah. That's just a personal favorite of mine. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite. I, yeah. I but I understand why it's not it's like exactly what there's some people that like, like it, but it's just like, Oh, I mean, who doesn't want to see Sabin like, you know, suplex a train in HD. Yeah. Like that's one they could just do like a kind of like, just I don't know. 
a, a Look, lift. There's no, there's no. Okay, first of all, there was no like remake demo of Final Fantasy VI at the PlayStation PS3 <laughs> debut at E3. Don't you mean Final Fantasy III? I know there was one for like N64 back in the day, but that was just blue balls. That like blue balls that never came to anything, I guess. Uh, anyways, I actually came to Final Fantasy VII. So yeah, even then. Um, and uh, what else is there? Secondly, like like Nitroid said, it, it's just not marketable, and we don't have people. We don't have people who are in Sony's tweets every day going Final Fantasy VII remake for like a decade. Like we don't have that. It's it's you have to be a monolith to have that. We will get a nine remake before we get a six remake. We could do like an Octopath trailer, like that style. Just I like, would love just that. Uplift it a yeah. little bit. You know, they don't have to do it with three D and all that shit. Just do like the, what they're keep, doing with the mobile. Keep mobiles. the McNugget designs. Yep. Like the chicken McNugget <laughs> characters. They're just little sprite guys. They don't gotta be much. Yeah. But yeah. Seeing a HD, uh, you know, train train suplex, that that'd be nice. I've been trying to play six for decades, and um, through emulation, I I haven't been able to to get it to hold my interest. But um, I I mean, that's the one that that I want to play most. But I they have remade it, and there's like H not HD, but the Steam version has updated. Uh, yeah, ugly ass. Oh, yeah. bad thing. Yeah. Count. yeah. Right. They so, put it through like a Photoshop filter. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm not going to pay what Square Enix is asking for that game. Brand new, they want $16.99. Go away. No. <laughs> yeah, wait, <laughs> wait for the holiday sale. Seriously. Not even then, because then it only goes down like 25%. Like, you can still, you can still no, kiss I'll my just, ass for that. Oh, hang on to like PS1 a dollar. Oh, wait, really? It went down like a dollar, like on mobile. Wait, it went down a dollar or to a dollar? A to a to a dollar, like oh, it wow. was like a dollar or two dollars. Because I wouldn't pay those prices either. But I distinctly remember. Shit, I would have bought that under my threshold. Okay, yeah, two well, bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm too old to play games on my phone. My eyes, <laughs> they just. I'm look. To be honest, this is going to sound really dumb, but I'm kind of looking at like. This Final Fantasy Battle Royale game as like me as a kid with the like my action figures, not my Final <laughs> Fantasy action figures, like my DBZ action figures and just Whoa. like <laughs> imagining fights. But it's the Final Fantasy characters. Uh, well, it's it's Resident funny Evil's you, doing you something like that. that, too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, it's funny that you you bring up not playing games on your phone because Sakaguchi has a new like old school RPG coming out on Apple Arcade exclusively, which is the weirdest thing. So I can only assume he's getting paid a just giant bag of money for this. It's called Fantasian. And uh, it's it's interesting because it looks like an old school JRPG, but all of the static backgrounds are dioramas that they constructed and took photos of. Oh, I saw um, that. Yeah. Yeah, that looks and pretty... It, you know what that reminds me of? Um, old school, um, like uh, like the the dude who who made uh, Alone in the Dark that inspired the the pre rendered backgrounds for Resident Evil. He did another game called Time Commando, and it was so fucked up because like the frame rate, the character you you play as is in three D, but the backgrounds are 
pre-rendered and they scroll through the environment, but only at like 10 frames a second. So it looks like complete ass. But, but I mean, that, that seems, I hope that's good. The, the dioramas and, and shit. Yeah. Cool. It looks good. But like Apple arcade, man. I mean, I'm not going to play it because Steve Jobs was a monster of a human being, but yeah, anything Apple related. I'm just like, some of you guys have iPhones, right? I got yeah, one I, for my Okay, job. I'll see you guys later. I, got, Bye. I didn't pay for mine. <laughs> I uh, I just, I like stuff that works. Understandable. I like a home button and a back button. <laughs> <laughs> and a headphone you know, jack. It's, it's interesting because I I have like... And being able to put songs on my phone. <laughs> I have I have my work iPhone and I have my Android personal phone and it's like right now I sometimes I feel I feel the same energy I do in being biracial where it's like I belong everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> I felt the exact same way when when I bought an Xbox and I had been PS2 for like <laughs> for like the whole right? the whole time and then I got an Xbox. I was like, I'm a traitor and I was all excited. You're just like an iDroid. <laughs> well Well, Vector, I don't know if I told you this or not, but you will be happy to know I am no longer using the Mac. I built a PC. Woo! We got him. And it's it's been uh it's it's been a gem. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Converted. Yeah. <laughs> Although some of Windows software still just royally sucks. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I I don't know. Fingers, you also use a PC, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, but like most people that do video editing and and music production, they swear on Macs. And I don't. I mean, I, uh, I guess. Uh, I haven't noticed a huge difference, to be honest. And I'm using for the most part the same software. It's weird. Like at this point, word processing is better on a Mac. <laughs> I will say, like, Apple and, like, iPhones definitely on the, like, audio latency front, you know, like, as far as, like, the apps go, like, they do way better than droids and shit. Uh, oh, just cause, yeah. Because, like, there's so many different droids yeah. to configure for it that it's, like, impossible for them to test everything. So it's just, there's, like, it's like only a certain a amount of iPhones that they have to program for. So it's, like, pfft. yeah. Hmm. Right. And I I can see I can I can feel that between like my Samsung and my iPhone and I appreciate that but I don't know if I want that like yeah. permanently because like you said I want to put songs on my phone. Yeah. Somebody, oh my God! Please cut this out because I don't want to deal with them like Apple shitters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who cares? Yeah, I mean fuck them. Yeah. Uh, you, you know who's a, a huge Mac fan? Otacon. <laughs> oh yeah. That's because he probably had some like. Like still sci- so scientific software that was only compatible on Mac OS. Yeah, the fact that he was writing code on a Mac pissed me off, but whatever. The government used goddamn Windows XP up until like two years ago, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All the developers at my company use Macs. That's like... I'll tell you one thing I don't like about Mac. What are they coding in, though? Java? Some Java. Uh... See, it was Java. I knew it. Anyway, no, Nitro, no, what no, were you no. saying? <laughs> well, now you got me thinking. Like, I, oh, man, I don't know. I think airports but, are running XP still. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. You see, like, the monitor, like, shut off, and it's, like, the Windows XP, like, error, like, boot up screen. You're like, oh, but no. It's, it's, you have to consider something. You have to consider this. 
They probably have proprietary software. Sure. They probably, that software is probably only, like, tested stable on, like, this old operating system. And they probably don't have that, like, system connected to any sort of, like, network where it could be vulnerable. That yeah. being said, <laughs> yeah, it is kind Upgrade of fucking scary. Upgrade your shit. <laughs> yeah, it is kind yeah. of fucking scary. I will tell you for a fact that there are still... There's still enterprise level software out there running that was written in COBOL. There is, mm, yeah. there are bank systems that still have like shitty MS DOS text that you operate in. They just use like emulators now to get into it. <laughs> we are, we are so off of where I was going to bring yeah. this up before. But hello, welcome um, to the Metal Gear the, podcast. Let's talk about well, banking this is, software. <laughs> yeah, no, this is actually about Metal Gear. This is about Metal Gear. On the Mac, and I think I mentioned this like way back at one point, and as far as I know, they still haven't fixed it. But uh, Metal Gear Rising was released on the Mac App Store, but it had DRM in it, and oh, yeah. the ser- the servers that the DRM checks in with to verify are no longer running. Ah. And to my knowledge, it is now impossible to play that game if you legally own it on a Mac. Right. That's terrifying. Which so that happened only a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, and where the uh, servers went down. I don't think it's been fixed. No, it never will either. So take that. Yeah, because like, who gives a fuck? Who wants to put development time into fixing that when it gives you no money? Just like, who's gonna like try to? It's not worth the money to upgrade this shit. Yeah. Right. Although that's not as much Mac as it is just DRM sucks. But yeah, no, that's a good point. That should have been a plot of one of the Metal Gear games instead of what we got. Um, I was thinking about that recently. Like why, who, why? the fact that MGS1 had such a huge anti, anti-nuke message and that theme continued throughout most of the series, but like the the rest of the world had moved on from nukes. It wasn't the Cold War anymore. You know, like cybersecurity really should have been the um, more at the forefront of of like, hey, you know, you guys got to update your freaking software. You guys are or else, you know, the, I mean, that Y2K thing technically did happen, but. I don't know, it's complicated. No, I get where you're coming from, and I guess you could say MGS4 did the whole SOP thing, but eh. you're right. Yeah, it, it, it was it's iffy. It's It's iffy. So, yeah. Speaking of MGS One, are 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 there any other uh, housekeeping issues that need to be wrapped up? Because I had some questions for you guys. There's been a couple of things that have happened in the past weeks. So we did take uh, last week off because of my fucking hand. My hand. When CQC goes wrong. How's your hand doing, by the way? Yeah, dude, we were this close to calling Konami and getting a replacement. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting there, man. I, I got like. I don't know. Probably like by next week, it'll probably be fully healed if things like heal back the way they're supposed to. So anyway, yeah, during that time, though, uh, let's see. uh, Jordan uh, Vote Roberts did post that picture on uh, his Instagram story uh, of like a a film hanger. And it said stage seven on it. And uh, I know I had sent it to you, Nitro, and you kind of didn't think it was that big of a deal. But. He's not really working on anything else. Like a, a bunch of other people are kind of pointing out, like his IMDb doesn't have anything else going on. So it's like, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe some movie production might be starting now. They might be doing some like yeah. that uh that ILM type, you know, with like the big uh like the green screen type technology. I mean, anything's possible, but IMDb isn't exactly the most reliable source. Sure. So, I don't know. He who's directing Godzilla versus Kong? Um, I actually don't know. For the longest time I thought it was him, but it's not. Right. I don't think it is him, but the fact that he was tied to Kong, I feel like maybe he'd be on the production team somewhere. Yeah. And when's that movie coming out? Because uh, let's do it in a couple months, I think. Yeah, because I bet you people are going to be looking for Metal Gear references in that. Because okay, Adam Wingard. Yeah, it comes out uh, this month actually. So. Oh my god, I can't. But wait. I do know it's the same uh, Kong. I think because they were just saying like he right. was like a baby or like a you know a teenager in Kong Skull Island, and now he's like all grown up. That's why he's all big and shit now. So. Damn boy. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. What? So I'm well I'm looking at the uh, the filmography of Adam Wingard and he did the uh the Netflix live action Death Note movie. Oh no. 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 Well. No. <laughs> did he write it? <laughs> he did not write it. He directed it though. Oh man, I'm sure he did the best he could with what he was given and still fucked up. Well, hopefully with, you know, big big <laughs> monkey and big lizard fighting movie, it's not too hard to come up with something cool. So how hard could Monk, it be? Yeah. Somebody's gonna be like, it's very hard. I don't know. Um Well you could Yeah, you fucking almost died. But you know, at least you're gonna get Free frozen pizza. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in. What are we talking? Tombstone? DiGiorno? DiGiorno, baby. Speaking oh, no. of DiGiorno. You said, you said the magic word. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. I saw the tweet. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking weird Twitter exchange. Uh, <laughs> I how, saw the tweet. I didn't get any of it. Yeah, me and Nitro were talking like a while ago, and we were just This is chat- like months back. Yeah, months back, and I was kind of like, Hey man, it's kind of weird how like the Konami logo looks just like the DiGiorno logo, and he was like, oh "Holy God. shit!" And I was like, "Yeah, like, I keep like getting like like faked out by it. Like I'll be scrolling like, and at I'll a see glance a pizza, on Twitter, and I'll yeah. think it's by Konami, and I'm like, "Why is Konami <laughs> making pizza?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's DiGiorno. Shit! Why is DiGiorno talking about metal? You got gear? pizza on the mind." Yeah. So that kind of happened to me, and then also Nitro was like, "I gotta fucking do this. Hold on." And he was like, <laughs> and he swapped the the fonts for each company. Just keep, and he keep fucking in mind, nailed it. There's a significant time time between the time Finger said that yeah. and the time. Also, Nitro's like, "Got it." <laughs> so this is so this has been on Nitro's head for probably a good while. Yeah, it's been sitting on the back burner, and one day I was just like, "You know what? I got a few minutes." Yeah. So then DiGiorno, wow. DiGiorno and Konami hopped in the tweets and they started doing their thing and they had a good time. And I think DiGiorno owes us some pizza, but uh, yeah. It yeah. weirds me out a little that Konami, like Konami made a gag about it and uh, they knew exactly what kind of pizza I liked. So that kind of freaked me out. <laughs> they posted the, the uh, not the cypher, but the, uh, the thing from Peace Walker that's like the spy thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a liability. They've got me under surveillance at this point. <laughs> I I hope DiGiorno does get you guys some pizza, and I hope it's not DiGiorno. <laughs> oh, wow. DiGiorno's good. 
This podcast is brought to you by DiGiorno. Uh, when you're a Metal Gear meme guy, every red sign is a Konami logo. No, if we're gonna if we're gonna make fun of pizza, we're gonna make fun of Papa John's. That's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, fuck Papa John's. I think we should agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, look, Domino's gang. Yes. I'm just saying, dude. Papa John said that the reckoning was coming, and like then 2020 <laughs> happened. Why the fuck aren't seen... we looking into that guy? <laughs> I haven't seen John in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. He just he said the reckoning is coming, and then he disappeared. And look what the fuck happened. <laughs> he got the fuck out. Yeah. And you're listening to the Papa John's frequency. <laughs> uh, at least Brought to you by the popsicle frequency. All pizza, all the time. <laughs> Better ingredients. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Bro, at least it's not the popsicle frequency. I thought oh, you were man. about to say that they made a, a pizza in popsicle form. I was about to get hella mad. No, popsicle <laughs> made a Kojima frequency in popsicle form. Who's popsicle? Popsicle is Robert Peeler. Oh, now we're full circle. All right, so it is the Kojima for you can see, and uh, there is that new Kojima book coming out, uh, The Creative Gene, uh, how books, movies, and music inspire the creative, destroying Metal Gear Solid. Hey, way to make a run-on title. Uh, that's gonna be. Uh, it's it's available for pre-order now. Actually, I am gonna that's grab book that. Titles yeah, for I you. already, I already pre-ordered it. I'm gonna pre-order it when they put the box art on it. I didn't like looking at it when they didn't have the box art. I was like, "That's yeah, ugly. I don't legit. want that in my cart." Yeah, I, that's I, I don't believe in it yet. So once they put the it's box art on there, I'll be dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I buy books like I buy copies of Metal Gear. I got, I got. I'm gonna get the Kindle version and the hardcover and the the paperback when it, that eventually comes out. Because this one's a uh, a hardback, right? And that's not even me as like a Metal Gear fan. This is, yeah, it always comes out as hardback first. This isn't me as a Metal Gear fan. This is just, I just like books. Did did you see on the Amazon page, it's the number, like what the category it's under is? I, have, I haven't had an opportunity says, to pre-order. It says right now, it's the number one bestseller in heavy metal musician biographies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on a second. That's not entirely like out of pocket because, like, one of the things that Yoji Shinkawa is, is known to do while drawing was to listen to the hardcore heavy metal he could find. So, maybe, yeah, I was gonna say maybe like Amazon, some like AWS shit, like scanned the book and saw a bunch of like metal names. Yeah, we know he's a fan of uh. You think we should get the book and do like an ASMR reading of it? What? Oh, no. I get it. It's because Metal Gear. <clears throat> oh. Jesus. I mean, maybe. Maybe I was overthinking it. I don't know. I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, dude. Aren't you so happy you decided to come back? <laughs> He's going to bail like halfway through. We're having You're fun just going to hear a Our guest next week is going to be like, let's listen to this previous episode. See what I'm getting into. Oh. All right. <laughs> no, what's what's interesting though is if you uh this is not the first book that Kojima has put out, but it's the first one we got. He's been putting out books since like 2007, I think, something mm -hmm. like that, where he's talked about his creative process and all this stuff and um one of them was even borderline like an autobiography. And I can't remember which one that was, but like I kind of wish we got that one. Like I would read that. Are there any translations in the works or just that's just dead no, in the water? I, no, my my exposure to it begins and ends uh, at uh, one year I went to E3 and I was sitting with some other Metal Gear fans and there was somebody there who had a copy of it. 
and was just reading stuff out of it that was interesting. Oh, that's about nice as much as I know. We should get um, Shane to translate it for us. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I found it. I just can't read the title. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Vector, you you look at this. Oh, my God, that URL's insane. Hold on. Here's, you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. Nope, not going to say nothing. <laughs> going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> what, is, what does that say? We could get... We could get a full audio book from uh, Gilbert Godfrey because after hearing him do Liquid's lines for that little bit, I think... Uh, How'd that, that even come every- about? I don't know if that was a cameo or what. I don't know. Because it was only like a, a short little bit. They even got him to scream at the end. Yeah, that like that cut to like him just saying Snake was like off. That was, that was weird. It seemed like a different thing entirely. Yeah, like you don't get that on cameo. Did David Hayter call in a favor? That kind of rhymes. It seemed like he was surprised about it. <laughs> Did David Hayter call in a favor? <laughs> I didn't mean to freestyle, but I can. Um, sure, I'll throw this into Google Translate for you, Nitroid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're supposed to be the one that understands. <laughs> I understand some things, but there's like a lot of context that you just don't get. And um, or like, yeah, it's, oh, that's it's fair. Like, Japanese is a context-based language where like, if you don't see the picture or the, or, you know, like there's all kinds of things that could go well, wrong. I think it came out to like, if I remember, it was something like uh, the memes I've loved or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, it could take a, a while to translate, but I mean, yeah, it says um, the, the meme I, I loved um, or in, in the important memes that I've loved. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna okay. I'm not gonna do this live. <laughs> you put me on the spot. You're like you're like George Luke or you're like uh Harrison Ford when he was reading the Star Wars original Star Wars script and he's like, You can type this, George, but you can't make me read this shit. <laughs> you can you can link this to me, Nigeria, but you can't make me translate this shit. Yeah, fair enough. I can definitely give you the most accurate translation, but um, yeah, I don't know what I don't, dude. I don't care. Oh, okay. Completely unrelated, everyone. But make sure to get your copy of Mario uh, All Star Collection before it goes away this month. <laughs> There's like I went to Walmart like a couple weeks ago and walked through the video game section, and you know how they have everything behind a glass case. Yeah. I swear to God, there's like 50 copies of Mario All-Stars sitting beside 50 copies of Cyberpunk. That shit ain't going anywhere. <laughs> oh, mm. my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you guys brought up history, because as I understand it, you guys have, uh, like, one of the most reoccurring comments I hear you guys get is for you guys to talk about uh, Metal Gear Solid 1, like a retrospective type, type dealie. All right, yeah. I've seen a few of those. So what, what are you going to do? Are you going to take our job? <laughs> no, but I, I did want to I did want to pick your guys' brain. And uh, just so happens, uh, you know, I'm working on a little project myself. And and uh, you, you guys uh, you guys came to mind. And so, you know, just wanted to talk about memories of of the, the first of the Metal Gear Solid games. 
the fuck was that? <laughs> 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 cracking open a cold one. Jeez. I, I gotta get ready so for this. So disrespectful. That was a supersonic beer crack, I, dude. I thought, <laughs> I'm leaving that, that sound was, in. I'm gonna put a fucking reverb on it. It's just like... <laughs> I thought I was going to be subtle about it, and then at the last moment, I was just like, "This, this, fuck it." Just, we need to, like, we need to do an, that? we need to do an edit of the Metal Gear theme, but when it goes do 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 do, but when it, instead of doing the crash that it usually does, it's that beer can opening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just going to do the start. Yeah, the start screen. That's what I'm going to do. Like instead of the gunshot. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly what I saw too. Or like when you continue. When you continue on the game over yeah, screen. Yeah, continue. Ah! Snake, are you okay? Snake? Snake? I'm sorry yeah, for that... disrupting the conversation. <laughs> no, that, that kind of <laughs> no, made incredible. my heart skip a beat. My pacemaker's acting up now. Um, <laughs> th- thanks for that. Um, but yeah, so Metal Gear Solid 1. Or I guess it wasn't called Metal Gear Solid 1 back in the day. Metal Gear Solid, uh, the first time you saw it or played it, what what was that experience like? Daze, you go first. I'm going to say what all of us are probably going to say. And it started with a, a blue PlayStation demo disc from Pizza Hut, which this is this is the second time I'm talking about this this week. So this is incredible. Of course, yeah. it was Metal Gear related, but... So, actually, that was a good starting point for a lot of things because it had Spyro. Um, I think it had a preview of like Crash Bandicoot, uh, Legacy or Soul Reaver, which like is kind of like on the weirder end, but I, it still kind of stuck with me. But it also had uh, Metal Gear, and when I first saw it, like when I first tried to play it, I tried to play it exactly how I tried to play Spyro and Soul Reaver. <laughs> and that didn't work out too well. My ass did not get past the docks. Eight-year-old, seven-year-old Chelsea, or probably younger than that, because it was bef- like before 1998. Didn't get through that shit. So I was like, fuck this game. I didn't care. I gave up. Um, and then, like, I don't know how much longer it was, but the game had released. I don't think my dad had gotten it yet, but my uncle had. Uh, and he was the one that got me into games, like, in the first place. So I watched him. He was in high school, and, like, he was at the end of the game. So he was, like, like he was, like, he kept having to, like, retry the second phase of the Metal Gear fight. So he kept having to watch, like, uh, Gray Fox do his monologue. And then he, when he finally beat that, like, he had to do... Uh, the 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 fist fight on top of Metal Gear, and then they had to do the Jeep fight, and then this blonde dude just wouldn't fucking die, and it was like I was just watching this as a kid, like oh my god, like this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this, and then it hit me that it was the same game with the docks, and I was like, holy shit! Like I know this like shit didn't come out until like 2010 or so, whatever, but. I was like, God, I like, I need to get good. Like, that's not what my brain said, but that's what my brain felt. Um, <laughs> so then my dad got my the game. My mind is telling me no. <laughs> but my body. Uh, nah, but, uh, it sounded good. Can we cut that? I don't support that. <laughs> that was amazing, that though. That was fantastic. Okay, that was well, on keep point. The- <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. 
That was the best. Okay, if we if we can keep that, if we also add this, R. Kelly is a sexual predator who can't read. Um, anyways, so then my dad got it, um, and I like played through it on easy, and then I just kept trying and trying. I would if I I would like fake staying home sick just to play it, and if I really did feel sick and I couldn't play it, I would just watch the theater. <laughs> and watch the cutscenes there. Um, and then it, it, I got to the point where I was able to actually play with my dad and we were able to, we were able to get through a big boss run, which is a very like daughter father moment, I guess. I don't know if I get married, he'll mention it, but that was my first experience. I hope I didn't ramble too long. No, that was great. Uh, I'm going to pass it to fingers. I got I got tears in my eyes both from the that out, outburst from a couple minutes ago, <laughs> oh and also because God. of the, the the touching, heartwarming story you just told. That that was beautiful. Thank you. And also, I'm in the exact same boat. The first time I played MGS One, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was like, "Why can't I get on this elevator?" It said, "Wait for the elevator." So just let me get on the fucking elevator. So I just go jump back in the water, and I do that like 50 times in a <laughs> row before I went to go play like Cool Borders Two or something. Cool borders too. Because oh. I actually, I did not have the the Pizza Hut demo. I I had the the Jam Pack demo. Oh, did anybody heard... else have that? I had all of them. Yeah. Okay. Those were just amazing. Yo, demo discs were like currency. The, the Jam Pack was the um. Oh, which one was the Jam Pack? Uh, because they had they had the if I remember right, Pizza Hut did three demo discs. They did the one with Metal Gear. They had one that had like Crash team racing on it i think and then they had another one that oh geez what was on it like spyro or something and, it was probably spyro medieval medieval yes medieval medieval. On well medieval was on the one with metal gear yes yeah, okay right. yeah that's right hey um, can, okay sorry, a bug's ahead. life a bug's life was on it tomb raider 3 i don't remember can i make a distinction just one second i'm sorry i need to confirm this because i literally heard this today and now i feel like an asshole if i don't mention this so get good actually apparently did not come out in 2010 apparently it was invented in mgo really i can confirm that yeah Hmm. that's the second time i've heard you see this shit how it's like this this is weird anyways so maybe my brain (laughs) Maybe maybe it was like a Hodor situation where my brain, when she connected the docks with the game my uncle was playing, like, get good, like, came telepathic. I don't know. Right on. <laughs> Continue. Right. I just wanted Think- to make I wanted to make that distinction just just so that nobody calls me out. <coughs> Fingers, you're up next. Yeah, I mean, I, I had uh, I had played the Nintendo versions of Metal Gear and, you know, Snake's Revenge first. So when Metal Gear Solid rolled around, it wasn't like a brand new IP to me. But I did remember it being hard, and I remember, like, barely being able to get anywhere the Nintendo versions when I played those as a kid. Uh, then, yeah, the, the Pizza Hut demo disc came out, uh, played it, you know, just was like, holy shit, this is, this is something new. Like, this is, like, a, a new experience. And uh, then... The full version came out, and my brother and I played through it on, like, an old mono TV. And I think we didn't even have, like, the DualShock controller at the time. Uh, so then when when that finally came out, too, we got to, like, re-experience it with that. But, yeah, I just, I remember uh, me and him played through it and beat it together. And then after that, he kind of just 
stop playing it, and then I would just go in there by myself and play it over and over and over. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, yeah, then Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, you know, years later, and I played that with another friend. But, yeah, with the first one, it was mainly just uh, me and my brother and uh, my cousin also would come over and play it, too, with me. That's somebody that I've always talked Metal Gear with, so. What, what year was that? Do you remember? Uh, back in 98. <laughs> it was oh, like, so it that was, was the was, year it launched. Yeah, and they were, like, six years older than me, so, like, they kind of, you know, they were, like, more aware of what was going on in the games and stuff. Um, but I remember like reading the book and stuff and being like, big boss and Zanzibar land. Like what the, what the hell? Oh. And then like <laughs> something was off. I was like, I don't remember any of that stuff from, <laughs> so that and then was... I, uh, I would ask my cousin. He was like, yeah, that, that wasn't in any of them. Well, I, I don't know. And like, so the whole like existence of the Japanese games to me, I was just like, uh, what, you know, until subsistence came around and all that. I was like, oh, okay. So those were fake ones. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty much going to be my response was like, what was your experience as someone who came into this by playing Snake's Revenge? Yeah, it was just like, oh, this isn't what I experienced at all back. <laughs> and that's <laughs> I, I hadn't beaten them either by, back then. But uh, my cousin was really good at Metal Gear and Snake's Revenge. And he, he's like just always been good at like Nintendo uh, level games. And he had he had beaten Metal Gear, so like I would just sit there and watch him play it. And I remember, you know, just seeing the computer screen and stuff, and then seeing the the cyborg big boss thing at the end. But it it, it still didn't add up to like the Zanzibar Land stuff and Gray Fox. Like all that wasn't really there. You know, it's just like what. So little did I know that they were those MSX games. Right. Yeah, I like uh, I like the story of uh, you and your your cousins being older than you and. Like they kind of took you under their wing. It reminds me of uh, of Snake talking to Naomi about Gray Fox when he goes, I was still green, and he showed me the ropes. Yeah, and they also had, like, subscriptions to, like, Game Pro and stuff like that, so they knew all, like, the cheat codes. So, like, they would, get, you know, that's something that they would give me, and I would, like, start up the game, and, you know, a lot of the codes back then were, like, start at the final level with all weapons and shit, or, like, there's one, there's actually a really funny code for the first Metal Gear. Uh, hold on, let me look this up really quick. This will take just a second. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and um, it's, uh, go ahead and tell it, and then I'll explain the trick. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's what you think, but it's also not what you think. Days, I like what you said a, a minute ago about how, how demos were exchanges like currency back in the day oh most definitely it was demos and then like mixtapes too i made hella fat stacks with mixtapes are good <laughs> so the code or like the the effect is you enter the last part of the game unequipped <laughs> and the password <laughs> is you have to type fuck me and the rest are just all and fill in the rest of the slots with just ones oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um yeah is that what you were thinking i was gonna say Nitro? yeah yeah that's it so you um, said it was something different though actually well no well what i mean is it's not like some dirty word that somebody put in it's mm -hmm. a consequence of how they coded the password system uh, you know, okay. certain values equate to certain things some work some don't and you can actually put in quite a number of just nonsense values that'll work um, I, when I was a kid and I had the NES version, I was plugging in stuff and I found out you got the same effect by typing in T and then nothing but ones. Mm -hmm. And that'll take you to the same thing. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I had never, I didn't know about the, the whole 
fuck me code thing until years and years later. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like, why isn't anybody talking about the T111 thing? And then I hmm. and then, you know, I dug a little deeper and like they've got a little bit about this on the cutting room floor website. But essentially, it's just, um, you know, th because of how the game calculates values, you can plug in almost anything into those first few values and then fill it with ones and it'll work. Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's something so, that I kind of learned with like the the Game Shark Pro. I don't know if you ever yeah. had that for like yeah. PlayStation, yeah. where you could hook it in and like make your own codes. You would like basically go to a store or something, and be like, "I want to buy this," and you would tell it, "I have ninety seven gil," you know, and then be like, "All right, cool." Now I have seventy seven gil, and it'd be like, "Oh, that's the money modifier," and then you you could basically just go in and like make your own codes and shit. Yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah. So, Nitrod, you too, uh, from what I understand, I actually saw a tweet from you uh, a couple weeks ago where um, you actually played Metal Gear on the NES. I, I actually haven't. I did. Um, and I got to tell you, the, the I made that thread because I wanted to see how people started. And yeah. it is astonishing how many people started with that Pizza Hut demo disc. Like, at least half, if not more, of the responses are because they, they <laughs> got that, that demo. demo disc. That that demo is formative in in well, so many lives. There were commercials. There were commercials for that yeah. that demo disc. And people would go know. to Pizza Hut just for the demo. This podcast is sponsored by Pizza Hut. Uh, yeah, today. yeah, DiGiorno's gonna be we're pissed gonna, off. Yeah, we're gonna lose the DiGiorno sponsorship to keep that up. Conflict of interest. <laughs> I mean, I got the the demo disc because I ordered pizza, but I, I mean if I'm being honest, I probably would have ordered the pizza anyway, but yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of crazy how many people got into it just because of that. I want to know who won the two hundred thousand dollars, though. What? So you can hunt hunt them down? Like it was supposed to be me? Yeah. When when you ordered that that uh, demo disc, uh, I guess one of them was supposed to have like a you win two hundred thousand dollar prize or something thing in it. Right. So I wonder who got that. Um, I doubt they revealed their name to the public oh yeah um okay so i'll make this short uh i'll try and, and, and bridge the story but um when i was a kid my dad brought me a game and you know he brought it to me and saying like you know i like i know you like this kind of thing and i did you know uh my parents were split up so i got to see him occasionally and he would bring me stuff and uh you know he brings me that game and you know it ended up being one of my favorites uh ridiculously hard i didn't beat it for years and years and years because of how stuck i would get in it um but then you know years and years later uh i see a magazine on the wall advertising metal gear solid and i'm like that sounds familiar like what is that and it's like i think it was like an egm it was like uh it had solid snake on the front i remember it being green something like that anyway um i get that and i'm and i'm reading through it and i'm seeing what they're making i'm like oh my gosh this is you know this is a sequel to that nes game i played all those years ago this is amazing and uh so i started looking around on what there was of the internet back then which was basically nothing right yeah and i managed to wander my way into a metal gear fan community and there's all this discussion going on and i learn about uh the msx games and i learn about metal gear 2 solid snake so this is before i you know metal gear solid is even out right wow um and um 
there was an emulator available. I think it was FMSX. Uh, my, my memory here is so foggy, so I'm probably fudging some details. It's been so long. Um, but I, I managed to actually get to play Metal Gear 2 before I played Metal Gear Solid. So when no I got way. into that, yeah. So when I got into that, I was able to kind of understand like what these references were. And it was pretty cool. And like, I, it, it, believe it or not, I did not learn about Snake's Revenge until after I knew about Metal Gear 2. Somehow wow. I completely missed Snake's Revenge growing up. I had no idea it existed. Okay. Wow. So, okay. So you actually were way deep into the series way before most people on the, on, in the United States in that case. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it was a lot of dumb luck and I was still kind of a dumb kid and I didn't know what I was really reading or getting into. But when Metal Gear Solid came out, um, you know, I got a PlayStation just for that. Wow. And it, you know, that, that was like, all right, well, I'm stuck in this now, <laughs> you know, as a kid, right. uh, at that age, it's it's going to completely change the way you look at media. Yeah, dude. The first time a guard sees your footprints, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah. you know, you're like, "Oh no, this video games have upgraded." And now you're like, "LOL, I can make him do this forever." Yeah, no. Everybody, <laughs> everybody in that like hit that bottom right. Uh, <laughs> that's that southeast corner, pretty hard. I'm sure that a poor guard has done more laps than uh. Yeah, the most yeah. fucked with guard in video game history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to that guard. He didn't do nothing wrong. He was just trying to patrol. Well, because he he's kind of he's kind of placed there on purpose for you to play around with him, and so you can get familiar. Yeah, he's like the first Goomba. Yep. Right. Yeah. So you know, there were a whole bunch of other mechanics that game had, like um, you know, like like uh, in the in the dock, if you run into a puddle. That'll make noise, and then you'll that'll also leave footprints, mm-hmm. which you no know, other game had anything like that at the time, you know, yeah, like you had to pay attention to the details like that right, so um, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but you know, like what were some of the gameplay mechanics that caught you by surprise the first time you you came across them? We were just kind of talking about it, though, just like the the acoustics and stuff like that the floor made like on the different surfaces. And now some of them were loud and some of them would attract the guards attention. You know, right. Uh, that was something that like immediately stuck out with me. Uh, and I thought they did a great job, like sound design wise with that, too. Like you always knew when you were on one of those like those greats that like made a little bit more noise. Right. Um, and like you knew when you walked on a trap door, like you better, you know, you better make a decision to keep going. Or this is about to fall out from under you. Yeah. I don't know. There, there was just so many traps and ways to fuck up where it was like you really have to be on, you know, on your toes with everything. And you can't just like run and gun with this game. So that that was kind of like what, like how and, and going back, like, you know, if you look, they had been doing that since, you know, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake with like the different, you know, floor textures and stuff. So. Right, right. No singing sand in MGS1. Kind of disappointing, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's real sand, too. It's, uh, it's, it sounds almost exactly like it does in the game, from what I remember. Days, you're in the hot seat. You, you still need some time to collect no, your no. thoughts? I, I, you know what? I'm just going to build off of Fingers' point. Um, yeah, I think the traps were the big thing for me, particularly the infrared traps. Ooh. Like, I couldn't believe, okay. first and foremost, I couldn't believe there was enough detail where, like, I had to pay attention to the puddles. Um, 
And then another one was like, again, you know, fingers going back to the acoustics. Um, you know, the difference between shooting a gun, like the games I played with guns, you know, obviously you could run and gun and you couldn't Metal Gear. But another thing that I didn't even think to consider was like, you know, the SOCOM versus the SOCOM with the silencer. Um, and the fact that the more powerful weapons also emit a loud noise. Like it never occurred to me about these different standards between weapons because I've never had to really consider it in like your typical shooter. Um, and then, yeah, like going back to the traps, like I just remember being like so psyched out by that infrared cargo door to get to Vulcan Raven. Yeah, right. And then dealing with like more invisible stuff with the claymore mines <laughs> yeah it was unbelievable and like i it, when i was a kid i was so dumbfounded and scared by it i had the thermal goggles on for like the whole time i always made sure to get the thermal goggles and i always made sure to have them like on most of the time like sometimes i'll play through it and i'll still have them on just like <laughs> obsessively just yeah, yeah compulsively uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're way they're a thousand times more effective than the mind detector. Like the mind detector is completely useless. And the cigarettes, as far as although now I feel like in some ways the cigarettes are easier because you can only it only lets you focus on like whatever laser you need to deal with at that moment. Mm, yeah, good point. I never thought about that. Wow, I'm still learning new stuff about this game. I mean, because like I just remember being overwhelmed seeing all those lasers. Uh, with the thermal goggles, but I see people like just using the cigarette. It's like, I could just focus on this one. I don't know. And now you can just shoot the control panels and twin snakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Nitro, it sounds like you got a lot to say about the, the gameplay <laughs> well, in MGS one. My answer will so probably wait, hold on, hold on. Suck. Before you answer, because you have a unique perspective here, because you actually played Metal Gear 2 before MGS1, and a lot of mechanics from that game carried over to, to MGS1, so I'm guessing you were you felt right at home when you played... Well, I I did not play it very thoroughly, I will say. I did play it some, but I didn't beat it. Okay. So I got a, a several other references, but not all of them. And then, you know, the full game comes out. I read through the 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 background and I got the gist of it. Right. Um, right. But if I remember right, like the version that was available at the time was like had broken English like you wouldn't believe. I don't I actually don't remember if it was a broken English or no English. It's uh, like I said, it's been so long now that I don't remember what was available. I just remember doing it. So hmm. uh, somebody if somebody out there remembers this time period, maybe they can leave a comment and and remind me of like what was actually available at the time because it's been so long that it's just like a cloud in my memory but um my answer honestly is is you're not gonna like it because it's really trite but the the thing that blew my mind about metal gear solid wasn't really the mechanics it was the presentation um Definitely. the fact that that i had never i had never seen a video game uh like this in my life in terms yeah. of cinematics i mean this was my first playstation game yeah i had played some pc games that had fmvs in them but apart from that it was um you know super nintendo genesis right mm -hmm. and then this comes along like a movie and i, I like i, I don't even know how to process it um 
and 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 not just that, but when they get into the more fourth wall breaking elements, which everyone has talked about to death, I know, um, with, you know, the Meryl's frequency on the back of the game case, Psycho Mantis, all these things. But when you're 13 years old and your exposure to fourth wall breaking in a story uh, starts and ends at like cartoons where the main character winks at the audience at the end, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. like this was a revelation. Like, what the hell am I watching? This game's talking to me. Right. Like, that is, that was insane to 13-year-old me. And, like, it made me sort of start seeking out different kinds of media to see if I could find that anywhere else. Like, that was what hooked me in. You know, was, was the cinematography, the presentation, and, and those meta elements. It's it's funny that you mentioned the fourth wall thing, and that was sort of your interpretation, and you were, like, excited about it. When I was a kid, I used to have nightmares. Like, before Metal Gear, I had nightmares about my games, like, coming out, like, going against their programming and coming out to get me. Like, you guys remember the intro to Street Fighter 2 with Ryu, like, the console version with Ryu? And he's, like, in darkness, and he's just, like, staring at you? Like, that used to scare the shit out of me. So let me tell you... This game, it was like it was like torture, like a little torture to get through with the fourth wall stuff. But see, most man. people don't know that Nick Arcade was actually a horror show. It is terrifying. <laughs> okay, poor kids had to go through that lava and shit. It's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, Ryu staring at you like that, and then Hadokening you in the face is scary as hell. But I will raise you. Echo the dolphin when you jump too high the first time oh, and all your friends get traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have um, never played Echo the dolphin. Game's hard as hell. Oh, you, well, you'd, you'd be fine now. But if you were ever five years old and all your friends got sucked out of the ocean in a tornado, <laughs> oh, scarred for life. Yeah, because you're like just like playing around, like figuring out the game physics. You're like, all right, I'm a dolphin. I can do this. I got sonar. I can jump really high. I can jump really, really high. You, you I just... can jump really, really. Oh, shit. <laughs> you just got this video game from Blockbuster. You're, it's about a dolphin. You're ready to yeah. have some fun. Like oh. the stuff that scared me in video games. Like um, MGS1 definitely scared me at the time when uh, of all things the thing that, that freaked me out the most in that game was when you're in the elevator uh and the stealth camo guards are there and it wasn't that they were there it's that Otacon's face dude, got like face oh, right man. up on the codec like that fucked with me i was like jesus dude i thought yeah. the game was about to get me when that happened the first time to me <laughs> <laughs> but like at that point anything that scared me in a video game was like the t-rex coming after you in jurassic park on the snes or something yeah like like oh no oh no oh no it's gonna get me like but no that like this stuff was unsettling and the fact that those four guys in the elevator is also a throwback to metal gear 2 solid yeah. snake just just shows how good of a fucking game metal gear 2 solid snake is oh Anybody it's so that good puts disrespect on that game oh, <laughs> yeah if you haven't played it just what are you doing it's a game. I, I, I don't hate it. I, it's a. All right. Well, that's been the Kojima frequency, guys. So, Nitro, that was actually um, a great segue uh, because I did want to talk about the, the cinematic presentation of MGS1 because it kind of did change the entire landscape of the video game industry from that point. So do you guys remember the first time gameplay started up after that, that first cutscene? And then the opening titles kept going as you were playing. 
Oh, yeah. And like, I don't know if I fully registered how significant that was at the time. Um, but I think like in the back of my head, God, it's been so long that it's hard to remember, so, you know, a lot of this, but. I'm um, afraid it's been 20 years. Yeah, seriously. No, more but, than that, actually. Man, shut it, up. It, 23. <laughs> hurting me. But it is one of those things that I think in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, this is not your typical video game. Like, yeah, I, I interpreted it as a gag. Like, I, I thought it was like, oh, OK, that's a funny parody. Like, oh, they're trying to be a movie. But I didn't I didn't think of it as the game taking itself seriously at all. I think it's a bit of both. I just remember it's so Toyota. Yeah. Like, you remember oh, what? That, that's a car. So Toyota. <laughs> that is so Toyota. Yeah. I remember when I uh, when MGS2 came out and it listed Cam Clark and I was like, who the fuck is Cam Clark? Right. <laughs> like, where's where's James Flinders? Yeah. Yeah, I was confused about that, too. Then when we all learned he was Leonardo from Ninja Turtles, I was like, what? Yeah, you start seeing the same voice actors everywhere and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I remember being a huge Jennifer Hale fan back in the day. She was everywhere. Like when she showed up in a Knights of the Old Republic, I was like, yeah, Naomi. It's it's almost annoying now because I can pick out so many different voice actors now because I've right. been so attuned to their voices that if they pop up in a piece of media, I'm like, yep, I know who that is. Seriously. Yeah. As much as I love the guy, Steve Bloom, time to retire. <laughs> you, you can just it's just you've played every role. It's time to go. And for, and also, uh, I think Troy Baker, he's getting to that point because yeah, he, over, he overtook uh, he overtook Nolan North as like, you know, default male protagonist and and things are just getting ridiculous. So, so much for getting Troy Baker on the show. <laughs> well, no, no I, I like the I'm guy. I'm fine with he's that. A... Yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so in terms of the credits, I mean, yeah, I, I'm like Nitrate. I didn't really see the impact of it all. Um, it just kind of, and if anything, it just kind of fit into sort of the 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 clinical tone the industrial clinical tone that i've that was sort of weirdly resonating with me as a kid it was just another part of that but i didn't okay again i didn't i didn't realize how like impactful that was yeah mgs1 is holistic in a way that none of the other games quite are i would agree with that but please elaborate it's hard to elaborate when something is holistic it it's kind of it can be difficult to say exactly why, but every single piece of MGS one fits within a very clear aesthetic. Nothing there. There's there's very little dissonance between the elements of the game, between the music, between the art style, uh, the atmosphere, the tone of the story. Everything just sort of fits. And you can yeah. argue that the, that there's dissonance in MGS two for a reason, um, but that first game is so fully realized as a, as a story and as a world, it just, everything just clicks so well. Even, I know I'm not being very specific. Even yeah. like the supernatural stuff that happens, it's like, it just, it fits in there. So natu naturally. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> it's so yeah. very, it's so extremely grounded, despite the fact that there are all these crazy things going on. You never yeah. feel for a second that you're in any sort of like weird fantasy setting. 
And it's, it's, you know, in, in part that may be due to the tone of the dialogue and that's a whole nother conversation in itself. But, but it does very much kind of feel like if, if, if a Tom Clancy story went completely off the rails. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Into magical realism. This is what, this is what it would look like. And you have this whole panel of people that it, like after each incident you can call and they're like, oh yeah, well that's this. And you're like, oh, okay. And you just right. listen to a bunch of pseudoscience. You're like, that checks out. Like Right. It's 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 events happening and then the world just you get to see the, the world around you breathe and take in what just happened. Yeah, and nothing takes you out of it. Which is which is something. Excellent points. All all of those. That's um that's like you, you know, I, I got goosebumps running up and down my spine because it's I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, the fact that there is crazy shit going on. You got people talking about freaking nano machines. You got a freaking Frankenstein gimp monster that's throwing statues at you, but it it never felt like any of it was out of place. It was like this world could possibly exist, um, and it like it, it's I guess immersive is just the best word for it. Right. I was so immersed in that world. I think a big part of why the the world felt so immersive is because because of the you know those characters that you could interact with. They all, especially the voice acting, just the quality was so much better than Resident Evil, I guess, because <laughs> that was like the only the only other game that I had played before that that had tried to be like a movie. You know, it's it's interesting that you bring up Resident Evil. Because I've been thinking about that as like a, a benchmark while we're talking about sort of the evolution in cinematics. I, I can't like I, I'm not really gonna I don't I, I definitely doubt that this had any influence on it. But I, I think it's funny how like Resident Evil 1 had those had those um, full motion videos and they right. had like the actors and um like they dyed Albert Wesker's actor's hair, like they photoshopped it yellow or some shit. Um, but then like the second game, they resort to something that's just as kind of schlocky, but they resort to those, um, those like CGI videos or whatever you call it, the FX videos. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and say that that was, result of metal gear because the time the timetables don't really match up but it certainly i feel like is a good i guess focal point for that shift in cinematics and video games i guess yeah yeah it set a new bar for sure where all the other game companies were like oh shit we gotta we gotta do this now damn it (laughs) (laughs) you know i wonder if part of the reason that uh mgs1 felt so uh unified in its presentation uh is because of the real-time cutscenes rather than going with fmvs like they initially intended to oh most definitely can you imagine fucking psycho mantis doing that same shit and fucking shitty pulp tekken cutscene graphics (laughs) yeah i love the the cutscenes in the tekken games that was my favorite part of those games but yeah it doesn't work for mgs1 (laughs) you know and remember when they tried to to add eyes to the models and it was like dude no i was dude i was thinking about that today Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh you know so yeah compared to you the master of unlocking 
you know, David Hayter, Jennifer Hale, Cam Clark, they all, Debbie Mae West, they all had tremendous performances that felt extremely professional, which you just didn't get from a lot of games of that era. Yeah. So, would you guys agree? Most yeah. definitely. Yeah, the campiness was, like, gone. More than professional, it just felt real. These sounded yeah. like... Right. They sounded like real people, not characters. And even in games today that have AAA budgets and and big actors, it, right? A lot of the time, they don't seem like real people to me. They seem like just you know yeah. these two dimensional characters. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what it says that MGS One's original voice acting is in some ways leagues better than than many games that are still being made today. Just agreed. Well, yeah. I, I feel like part of that is also in sort of like the writing. The characters are fleshed out. Uh, a part that always stands out to me in terms of the acting is I can't remember the exact line that leads to this, but it's towards the end when Snake and Naomi are sort of having their final conversation. And I just remember her like. It was just an animation of her breaking down and Jennifer Hale breaking down. And even though it was just some little like green like three frame animation like that and the the way it was animated and the voice acting it, it stuck with you like this this emotion yeah. this emotive like stuck yeah. with me and yeah that like that's, sinking in and that's one of the things mgs1 was so good at was letting your imagination sort of take over whether it's with the the simple textures <clears throat> on the faces of the characters or the codex screens, or just the shadows in the environments. Like your your imagination is filling in a lot of those those blank spaces. Yeah. That is true, um, especially like during the real time cutscenes. You know, because like the only way that the characters are able to emote is by violently shaking their heads, and that's like the only <laughs> indication you have that that they're even talking. But yeah. you know, of course, of course, you gotta you gotta save some money on the animation budget so when they switched to to the codec you know it was a good transition because you get to see the character's eyes actually but it it's not a jarring uh switch like you might like uh, like that picture of snake with eyeballs which was just totally not cool but the codec feels totally fine and you get to see the the eyes of the character which is obviously the the window to a character's soul and and you get to see them emoting especially Otacon when he's when he zooms in on the camera and and just yells at you with his mouth all wide like that Dude come on man <laughs> It's kind of a holdover from visual novels if you think about it Well that's yeah I was about to bring up it, it reminded me of like uh, a lot of JRPGs back in the day like your character would have like four pictures in that little you know, like like lunar uh silver star you know like you right. would have like them like calm and like then like laughing and then like determined and then like pissed like you know right. it was just like so it was cool to have that like in a little bit more of a a streamlined way where it's just like it would just it would happen between the two instead of it just switching bef between four pictures right that's crazy you mentioned that because for years i always thought of mgs1 as a Japanese anime. It was like a it was a more realistic type of anime, but obviously it wasn't like like Pokemon or Digimon because that was all I had access to when I was a kid, but it, you know, when I when I was Yeah, more more ghost in the shell type stuff. Yeah. yeah it was like, like it was it felt like an anime because the Yoji Shinkawa's art style I felt is it's I I feel like it's very influenced by Japanese anime like 
he, you can't really avoid it. Yeah, like later later games in the stuff. series, they try and be more photorealistic. But but that first game in the Metal Gear Solid series, you know, I I called that an anime for for a couple years until three, I think. Yeah, it's weird how so. that's the the most uh, anime influenced, and yet it's also the most grounded. Dude, right? Jim Hallisman looks like one of those like Gundam villains. <laughs> Sorry, I was just that's all I could think about when you said that. <laughs> oh yeah, oh he totally does. Baker does too. I feel like you know I've I've seen that in a in a Gundam somewhere. Um, yeah, the police nuts guys too, and like yeah, they all just look like straight. Oh out of yeah, that. is he? Uh, Hausman looks. Oh jeez, I can't remember his name. Hausman looks like Gant Hoot from Phoenix Wright, who looks like <laughs> the bad guy from Police Nuts. Yeah, the police chief in Police Nuts. What's his? Name? Oh, we spoil Police Nuts. The police chief's the bad guy. Dun, dun, dun. If it's not obvious from like the first five seconds you meet him. Who the fuck is that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what did Pat say about that? He's like, police knots is about, you're trying to figure out a mystery about a corrupt company. And guess what? They're a corrupt company. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, the mystery sucks. <laughs> uh, Gates Becker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, Hausman is basically Gates Becker. Real quick, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on this, although I want to. But I'm pissed at you guys for talking about police knots without me. Although that's completely my fault. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I blame I blame me for blaming you. But anyway, let's let's skip ahead to okay. So after MGS one came out, so it's you know it's 1999. People are talking about it. Um, 2000 rolls around the E3 trailer for E3 2000 trailer for MGS2 launches, which, and I think that was the nine minute trailer. And so, you know, people go back and revisit MGS1. For you guys, uh, what was the the gaming landscape like post MGS1 before pre, pre-MGS2? It's like trying to chase that first high again, man. Yeah, you know? that was like the golden times, man. Like that was just there were so many good PlayStation One games, and then PlayStation Two came out. And it yeah. was just like, you know, you try Win Back, you try Siphon Filter, and just nothing is is scratching that itch. Yeah, I I I did not. I mean, I, I it's not like I I didn't enjoy anything after Metal Gear. <laughs> it's just that there's nothing <laughs> to really compare it to. Like I didn't even like I didn't even really like compare Siphon Filter to it. Like I, I didn't even cross my mind as a kid just because like the tone and the presentation was so different. Plus, you know, you're too busy like tasing people on f- to fire fiery deaths. Yeah. <laughs> that was sick. Oh yeah, that was fucking awesome. The only thing that that kind of filled that gap of I need a a a very like I need a game that has a narrative that's a step above what video games typically are. Right. Um, was Final Fantasy. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And and they're not even really comparable, but in terms of like I guess you could say production value, but that doesn't seem quite right. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. And something I quote all the time is that on the back of the box for for FF7, one of the selling points is actually almost an an entire hour of cinematic movie scenes. Right. 
that was like something that was being advertised. It's like, here's why you want to play this game, because you get to watch it. Ta-da! That phase was kind of funny, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, MGS1 had the most cutscenes to gameplay ratio per capita or whatever of any game out there. And I think that was one of the reasons why it didn't do uh, CG cutscenes was because it wouldn't fit on the disc. Because the reason why the PlayStation was even able to have CG cutscenes was, you know, like the N64, they didn't do that because there wasn't enough space on the cartridge. But since um, a CD could have, you know, 600 megabytes of storage, you can put, you know, they, they had extra space a lot of the time. But MGS1, they filled those discs to the brim with dialogue, you know, audio and, and animations and stuff, uh, which is why the game actually had a second disc, I think. You know, you reminded me a bit of another cinematic PS1 game that uh, it, it always comes to mind. It was such a weird one. Uh, did you ever play Fear Effect? Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. Yes. Fuck yeah. That game awakened to things in me. Yeah. <laughs> and Fear Effect had four discs. There was there was something interesting going on with that game. I mean, that got into some some really cool occult stuff and. Right. Um, but but the thing that kind of made it stand out was that all of the backdrops in the game were CG movies. Yes. Right. And so the game, despite not being very long, took up four discs, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first game, I think I, I could be wrong. I'm not going to look it up because I'm a rat bastard. But um, the first game, I think, only had two discs, but the second game had four. But yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on that. But yes, what yeah, I, I what I can four. say, what I can say about the the original Fear Effect, well, it started off as Fear Factor, but then they were worried about getting sued by Joe Rogan or some shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was actually the first cell shaded game. Uh, a lot of people think it was Jet Set Radio, but no, it was, it was Fear Effect. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, it was it was four discs. That's yeah, wow. just, just loaded to the brim with with FMVs. Yeah. I never played the yeah. second one. There there have been there's three games that were released. Uh the the third game got canceled. Um which is a, a shame. But um Well no, there was know. one recently, uh Fear Effect. Yeah, Sedna. yeah, that's the one that's the one I think that got kickstarted. But the one before that that was supposed to come out on PS2, that's the one I think that was called Fear Effect Inferno that oh, got canceled. Okay. Yeah, okay. I remember that. I was so excited because, you know, as a horny teenager, I'm like, hell yeah, Hannah and Rain, let's do it. They're going to do it. I'm going to watch. Shameless marketing campaign ever for that game. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the best. These two ladies dude, put the ass in Assassin. Dude, every marketing campaign from like the 90s and 2000s for video games was fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> This is a wild west, completely lawless. Was it? There was like a. Oh my god, I'll never forget. There was. I think it was a. I think it was a. God, I want to say it was a Game Boy advertisement, but there was one where like there was a lady like chained up to the bed, and the guy's not paying attention to her. He's paying attention to his Game Boy, <laughs> and it's like you don't know if that oh, right. chaining up is consensual or whatever. And you just, <laughs> There is no way they pulled that, that shit in 2021. <laughs> what? I'm, just saying. I'm gonna find it. Yeah, dude. Magazine ads were wild. Uh, yeah, I gotta see that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm having a hard time accepting that's real. No, yeah. Ads back then were they were crazy. Well, because yeah, they were marketing to a certain demographic, but yes, yeah, it was so. Game Boy. 
Oh man. So hey man, I'm glad you're not dead. Well, I, I am. You can you can find me on YouTube, youtubecom slash vector. That's that's me. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was great uh, being back. Uh, it's it, you know, I'm glad we were able to pick up where we left off. And um, yeah, man. So I'm working on the world's biggest MGS1 retrospective, and look forward to that in the coming weeks. I hope we gave you the content hashtag content you need. <laughs> Yeah, that was sick. That was cool to focus like just on one game. We gotta we gotta do that some more and just like bring in like different games and just like grill that one game and like figure out what it is why we like it so much. Because yeah, that's like we just highlighted like all the stuff that makes MGS one. I, I, it's it's my favorite. Like whenever anybody asks me, you know, that's that's the one that I go back to. But it's just it's a combination of all the things: the presentation, the voice acting, the gameplay, all the all the screwy shit that happens. I mean, you know. Same here. Like, yeah, seriously. MGS1 will always be my favorite in the series. Not the the one that I say is the best in the series, but it's my personal favorite. Because yeah. it's just the one that, that affected me most, you know? Like, everything... Really drew me in. Yeah, everything in the world changed after I played that game. And uh, here I am. Cool. Well, thanks again, Vector, for coming on, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, let's do this again. You're welcome back in the hot seat anytime. Don't be a stranger now. Oh, Oh, don't worry. I got plans for you guys. Aw, shit. (laughs) We are yet again another cog in this giant machine. Um, A Metal Gear, if you will. Son of a bitch. Get off of this podcast. (laughs) All right, let's stop this. Stop stop the recording. Fuck this this game. (laughs) 